All right, I'm just be honest with you. After hearing Pastor's message this morning and Mr. Osborne speaking, you're going to think we all cheated off each other, but we didn't, okay? So as we get into tonight's message, just know we did not do that, okay? All right. Uh, Pastor and I was talking, and he made a very good point. Um, even if we're buying the old Disney, okay, the, the Snow White and the Peter Pan that we remember, it's still going into the same pockets of this new Disney movement that we're going into. And so we got to remember that as we're going into uh, th their mentality and, and what they're trying to push down our throats, that if we are going to buy into this old Disney, new Disney thing, we are still supporting them by buying the, even the old stuff. And then also, Mrs. Twig wanted me to mention um, when she was up here, um, revival is coming up, and we do have a need for nursery workers as well as those who would watch the three- to five-year-olds. And we only have a few of people signed up, and we only have a week, all right? So if you guys could please consider um, serving in that capacity, that would be an amazing, amazing thing. So if you could turn your Bibles with me to Psalm chapter 80. Psalm chapter 80, looking at verse 18 tonight, Psalm 80. <clears throat> I'm thankful for the opportunity to be speaking and preaching God's Word tonight and wake a revival services coming up just next week. And, and this is not something, I want you to understand, is not something that we just do willy-nilly here at Central Baptist Church. This is not something we just have to put on the calendar. This is something we do purposefully, and it's not something that we just do lightly. And we, as we set time aside for re revival, we must ask ourselves the question, what does it mean to be revived? Or what does it mean to have revival? To, to be revived, all right, Matt, Pastor already mentioned it this morning, literally means to be made alive again or to make alive again. So if something is to be made alive or refreshed or reanimated, that would mean, right, that it's either dead or on the verge of death or demise. And so for us, the children of God, his heirs, his church, the question is, are we dead? Are we on the verge of our death and our demise? Now, looking at a person, right, we wouldn't just necessarily look at that person and say they're on the verge of death. Like, looking at Mylon, well, that might not necessarily be the best example. You know, Brother Kevin, okay, you can't really see that he'd be on the verge of death. But, but there's clear pictures in, or gauges for us to examine ourselves by that God has given us. And that image that God gives us and that we'll be looking at tonight is that of the vine. John 15, 5 says this, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. And how do we know that a plant or a vine is dead? You guys can answer that out loud. It's okay. Anybody? How do you know a vine or a plant's dead? No fruit? Okay, yeah. It, it, it's not growing. There's no fruit. It's yellowish, unless, you know, it's not supposed to be yellowish. It's brownish. It, it's dying. There's, it, there's no question. If a plant has no fruit, it is dead and it is useless. And Jesus is very clear here. We are supposed to be bearing fruit. And the gauge for us to know if we are thriving Christians and if we, is, if we are bearing fruit... The gauge for us to know if we are needing revived is if we are bearing fruit. So the question is, how is your branch tonight? Are you bearing fruit? Is it strong? Is it beautiful? Is it lush? 
Is it, is, it, is it abundant or is it shriveling up and dying? Um, I, Betsy and I went on a uh, vacation uh, anniversary trip on a cruise. Um, was a, I don't re really remember where, but we went to the Bahamas and the, specifically Nassau to a resort, and there's excursions. You guys know what excursions are. You pay a little extra and you get to do extra stuff, okay? So there was a resort in Nassau. We got to do that, and we were really excited about it. And so I paid this little extra money, and it was a beautiful resort. <clears throat> and so the night uh, before we go to bed early, we wake up the next morning, and we go down to the port. And there we walk through, and there's this gate, and there's just... It's a tourist place, all right? So there's people everywhere, and there's places where you can get cornrows. And I, I had the urge, but I passed it up. I didn't do the cornrows. I just kept going going. And there's things you could buy. There's bracelets. There's necklaces. There's things you could buy. There's people that was trying to guilt me into buying more stuff for my wife because I didn't love her if I didn't buy this. There's all that stuff, right? But then I'm trying to get to this resort. So I find this guy, and I'm asking people, how do I get here? And they, this guy finally comes to me and he said, I can get you there. So I get in this van, a 15-passenger van with somebody I don't know, and we just start driving. It's just me and Betsy, and we're sitting in the very back. And, and the thing about Nassau, they don't really care about hitting other things. They don't really care about hitting walls or other cars. And their streets are not very wide, just to give you a heads up on that. So they're literally, we're driving through this street, and it's van here and van here and, and there's a building here and we're scraping the side of this this other building right here and then we're just going straight on we keep on moving and we finally go into this open clearing and there's just I'm looking around I'm like I don't even know where we are there's nobody else around and we go over this like little dip and there's a dump truck with a lot of dirt and there's me and my wife and a random stranger in a dump truck and he gets out of the vehicle without saying anything. And I looked to Betsy and I said, well, this is it. <laughs> you know, it was a good two years. Um, you know, we got married. Didn't have kids yet, but, you know, I, I had a full life. Okay. And then he just gets back in the truck and van. And then he just says, oh, I was just saying hi to my cousin. And then he just drives on. We get finally <laughs> get back into the, the thing and we get to the resort. So I go up to the desk and I tell them, hey, we're here with the cruise and I'm here to just see the resort and go and enjoy my time. And they say, what, what cruise are you with? And I, I tell them. And they said, well, you were supposed to have a ticket. And I said, well, I, I, don't, I don't have a ticket. And they said, weren't you, weren't you supposed to come with your, your cruise line? And I said, well, I, I guess so. I don't, I don't remember hearing anything. So supposedly, because I don't remember this, the night before, on the intercom, in, in the entire cruise, they announced that if you were going on this trip to Nassau, to this resort, you had to get up at a certain time, meet certain people there, and they were going to drive you in this beautiful, fancy van that you weren't going to have to fear for your life. <laughs> so they had to drive us all the way back to the ship and then drive us from the ship back to the resort. I'm telling you something. I could have saved a lot of headache and time if I simply would have listened to what we were supposed to do. And I would venture to say the reason that we are in the mess that we are in today as a nation, as churches, as families, as individuals, as Christians is because we do not listen. The reason that we need revival 
The reason that our branches are shriveled up and dying is because we do not listen. Look with me at Psalm 80, verse 18. And so we will not go back from thee. Quicken us, and we will call upon thy name. Turn us again, O Lord God of hosts. Cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. God, we are so thankful for you. And we're thankful that you do not leave us where we are, Lord, but you desire for us to grow in you, that we would be conformed to the image of your Son, that we would have abundant lives, Lord, that we would lead other people to you. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to just simply listen and obey you. Lord, fill me with your spirit tonight as I deliver your message. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Here in this psalm, we have Asaph, and he's, he cries out to God. And he cries out to God with the same cry that we honestly should be crying out today. He sees his nation. He sees it in ruins and far away from God. He sees God's judgment, and he sees their neighbors and their enemies laughing at them, but yet he continues to cry out. And if you're looking at the context, if you go back to the beginning of this psalm, he speaks of a nation as a vine. This nation was plucked out from Egypt and planted in a prepared place. Now this vine, this vine had branches, and these branches had strength, and they had power. They were beautiful, beautiful branches. These branches had, uh, were filled the land, and they were mighty, and they bore much fruit. But in verse 12 of this chapter, God had broken down its hedges and allowed others to begin to pluck at her. The branches were then cut, and then they were burned with fire. And Asaph sees this, and he cries out three times in the psalm. He says, cause thy face to shine. And in verse 18, he says, quicken us. He says, make us alive and quicken us, and we will call upon thy name. He says, listen, we are dead. Our, our branches are now weathered up. They're dying. They're not where they used to be anymore. We need to be made alive again. And I'm looking at a room full of experienced Christians tonight, and you are no stranger to God's word. And you know very well the challenges that Israel faced and how it rejected God over and over and over and over again. And the Bible says that Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord 23 times. And there were at least two occasions recorded where Israel, it says that every man did that which was right in their own eyes. So how could people that God did so much for reject him so easily? How could people that God loves so much so easily forget him. You think about it. Just as Asaph said, these, this vine was taken out of Egypt. It was led through the Red Sea with power. God himself written down his law and spoke it to them. And they made a covenant with God. And God said, hey, if you obey my laws, if you obey my words, I will bless you. And they said, yes, God, we will obey you. And we will accept the cursing if we decide to turn our heart away from you. And they accepted that. And they quoted out the scripture back to God. But yet time and time and time again, we see Israel continue from Moses to Joshua to Judges to the kings where they had a cycle, where they were, had blessing. And then they got comfortable and allowed sin in their life. And then they were judged. 
and they were condemned, and then they repented, and they sought God again, and he forgave them, and then they had blessing again, and over and over and over and over again. And we sit here, and we listen to the stories of these people, and we wonder, how is this possible? And we look back at the 80th Psalm, and it is clear. Asaph prayed to God, and he prays to God, and he asked God, show your face to us again. The reason the children of Israel continue to mess up, continue to fail, is because they lost sight of God. They stopped listening to God's word. They stopped listening to his commandments. They disobeyed God, and now they lost the power and the nutrients they needed to grow. Just like a branch, we expect a branch to need the sunlight, right? It needs that sunlight. It needs the source of energy. It needs a source of strength. It needs the water. It needs the resources it needs to grow. But imagine with me a branch that refused, ref quite literally refused to receive that sunlight. And God cut them off from their own source of strength, and it was self-inflicted because we see that God says this, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. God so many times, despite of their actions, despite of them turning away from God, would continue to forgive them if they would turn their hearts back to him. Amen. But now, church, there are new branches that have been grafted in according to Romans 11. And in Romans 11, we, we understand we are not taking place of Israel, but we have the blessings. We're joint heirs with God. We understand that. And Paul tells us this. He says, listen, they failed because of their disbelief and faith, lack of faith. But take, take heed. Be aware lest you fall into the same trap. And I'm telling you today, the church has fallen into the same trap, the same cycle Israel has fallen into so many times. We have every resource, more resources, in fact, to being successful. We have the complete word of God. We have freedom of religion. We have every resource to be growing, to be fruit-bearing churches, homes, families, and Christians. But then why do we see ourselves falling apart? The reality is, is this, that we fall into a nation that doesn't know the difference between a man and a woman. I, I remember being in church as a young person and hearing preachers say that this is the, this is the direction we're going to go. And honestly, I actually didn't think it was going to get that bad. And now I am this old. And I'm not going to say, I saw you guys thinking about it. I'm this old. And we are living in a nation that quite literally cannot tell you the difference between a man and a woman. I can't, I'm not going to say biological because there is no difference. It's a man, it's a woman. You don't have to put adjectives in front of it. And now we have companies pushing gay and transgender ideologies on children, and they are quoting themselves as transgender allies. For example, Starbucks, Oreo, Lego, Barbie, Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network, Disney, Target, Amazon. And we are sodomizing our children in the name of freedom. And we have Christians, as Mr. Osborne said, who are unwilling to stand for what is right. 
Not only that, we have marriages that are hurting. 44, 44% of married couples in the United States are getting divorced. 15 to 18% of every married person has had their spouse cheat on them at least once while married. And you might say, well, that's, you know, those are the heathens. Those are the ones that aren't saved. Well, 38% of Christian married couples are getting divorced. Our teens, our children are searching for answers, for hope. And they're going to social media. They're going to these fads. And you know what? Those fads aren't satisfying their needs because we have 20% of teens who have reported serious thoughts of suicide. And 9% have made an attempt at suicide. In our churches, who are supposed to be the backbone of this country, the moral compass based on God's word, are compromising and letting sin become the norm in our own congregations. And because of that, in a 2020 study, for the last five years, from 20, 2015 to 2020, 3,850 to 7,700 churches closed per year. You see, we, we think about the Old Testament. We think about the children of Israel, and we're like, how could they have done that? How could they have offered their children up to idols and burnt their, their children to Molech? How could they have done that? And how are we as a nation accepting abortion? When we consider how was it even possible for, for cities like Sodom and Gomorrah to even exist, how was that possible for Lot to go in there? And yet we in America are having transgender story hours at Starbucks. We have Christian families that aren't praying together anymore or reading God's word anymore. We have to beg and plead for people just to do the service of God and then we, we tell ourselves we're healthy? We have Christians, Christians that we have to remind daily just to read God's word. Right. And we, we have the audacity. I'm, I'm just being very blunt, blunt with you tonight. The audacity to say that we are healthy Christians. If we are not bearing fruit, our branches are dying. If we're not bearing fruit, then it's because we have cut ourselves off from our source of strength. We are not listening and obeying God's word, and we need revival. And I want you to understand, God's way is so simple. God speaks to us. He hears us. He directs us. He empowers us. And that is done through his word and by us obeying his word. It's been true of the Old Testament. It's true of the New Testament as well. And God has repeated himself to us. 309 separate times. I don't know about you, but when I was told one thing by my mom, and she had to tell me something again, it did not go well. I remember in a church service. Now, my mom did not smack me in a church service, but didn't mean she didn't correct me. All right? If you notice, this earlobe is a little bit longer than the other earlobe. My mom, if I did not listen the first time, she would have grabbed this thing down to the floor. And tell me, I told you one time, you better shape up, you better listen. But our God has told us the same thing three, th 309 times. 309 times, and yet we are not listening. I want you to understand two truths tonight. And yes, I am just getting into my points now, and that was just the intro. Wow, I see your faces. All right, the first truth that we see tonight is 
Be a hearer. Be a hearer. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 15. Actually, Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Be a hearer. Matthew eleven fifteen says this. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus says a variation of this verse 15 separate times in the New Testament. And 57 times Jesus mentions to us the importance of hearing his word. Jesus did not leave us instructionless. He did not just say, you know what? I saved your life. I gave you a home in heaven. And that is it. You're off on your own. No, he, he understands our struggles. He understands our, our concerns and our needs. And he has given us, quite literally, a roadmap, an instruction manual for us. And all we have to do is listen to him. He says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. The reason this world is in the state that it is in is because we are not in God's word. The reason families are not as strong as they should be is because families are not in God's word. The reason churches are compromising and failing is because they are not in God's word. The reason Christians are unfaithful and powerless, powerless today is because they are not in God's word. Do you have a question about life? Go to his word. Do you wonder what God would have you to do to serve him? Look to him and pray and look in his word. It is our source of strength. Our branches cannot grow and it will not get the nutrients it needs without quite literally the sun giving us that nutrients. And how foolish are we as Christians to think that we can maneuver and run our own lives without him? Not only do we need to be a hearer, but we also need to be a doer. Turn with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1 verse 23. The Bible says this, For any, if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his Deed. It's very simple. James says here, like, if you hear God's word, if you see God's word, and if you don't do the things that God has clearly shown you to do, it's like a man that looks into a mirror. And I don't know about you, but how many of you guys look in a mirror in the morning? Anybody? Go ahead and raise those hands. Okay, amen. Good job, Mylon. All right. I, you look in the mirror. Now, imagine with me if I looked in the mirror in the morning and I had the bed head... I had all this scruff, my beard was like that, and I just went to work in the morning. First off, Mrs. Combe would say, Joe, what in the world happened to you, right? And she would send me home, right? Because, you know, that's a good, that's a good co-worker, that's a good friend. You guys, would, my students would think, what in the world is wrong with you? Are you sick? I don't know about you ladies, but my wife told me about this the other day. There was one time she did not put makeup on at school, and her students thought she was sick. What in the world is that about? They're like, are you, are you, are you okay? Are you, are you all right? 
But it's like looking at your, uh, yourself in the glass. Now imagine if I had something nasty in my tooth. Nothing drives me crazier than this. When I have something in my teeth and I see a friend that is supposed to be a good friend, right? Supposed to be a good friend. And that friend does not tell me that I have this piece of broccoli just sticking out in my teeth and I've been talking to everybody. I talked to pastor. I talked to everybody. Nobody told me about it, right? That, that upsets me. Why? Because we want to take care of the issue, right? But that's what, exactly what James says. He says, a person who, who looks in God's word and doesn't do the things that he's been told to do is like a man who looks at himself in the, in, in the mirror and yet sees the Im imperfections, sees the smudges, sees the broccoli in his teeth, and yet chooses to do nothing about it. And we have heard God's word countless times. And I wonder if it still stirs us the way it did when we first heard the gospel. The biggest issue plaguing America is that we are just too comfortable. We might hear God's word, but it doesn't mean we'll do it. I'll give me an example of this. Mr. Osborne just spoke, pastor spoke about the need of taking a stand. We're sitting there in that pew. Is it going to motivate you to do something? Is it going to motivate you to change your standards? Is it going to motivate you to change your mind about certain things? Is it going to motivate you to take a stand? Or come Monday morning, you're going to forget about it. How many times do we have to hear the same message, the simple command about reading our Bible and praying, and yet we don't do it? How many times, husbands, do we have to hear messages about loving our wives the way we're supposed to as, as Christ loved the church, and yet we're still not doing it? How many times are we going to be told to not gossip and slander each other, but, but love each other, and yet we're still not doing it? How many times do we need to be told to forgive one another as Christ has forgiven us, and yet we're still not doing it? And lastly, how many times do we need to be told to serve the Lord? Right? It, which is our reasonable service. Because we're bought with a price. But yet we're still not doing it. You see, there have been many times God's word has spoken to you through a reading his word or a message. And you, and you were moved and you might have come down to this altar. But, but where is that same life? Is it the same life you have right now? Where is the fruit that you once bore? Where is the service to, to the ministry that you once served? Where is your passion for the lost? You may have heard it. You may have do it, done it. But are you still doing it? Now, this is a message that we have to self-examine ourselves because, I, honestly, I can't speak for you. Only you know the fruit of your branch. Only you can self-examine and say, you know what? My branch used to have lush abundance. It used to reach out. It used to be powerful. It used to be beautiful. God used to use me. It's not that way anymore. I'm not in God's word. I'm not bearing the fruit I used to be. You see, we wonder. We wonder how could have Israel gotten to the place that they have gotten before? 
how could we have gone down this slope that we have as a country? And it's simple. It's because we have forsaken our God, we have forsaken his word, and we have forgotten what it is to have fruitful branches. With every, every head bowed and every eye closed...